This is a wonderful hymn uh, describing about our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Especially when we pray, we come to a very beautiful garden, a garden of prayer. When we spend our time alone with our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we can tell him about our worries, we can tell him about our weaknesses, we can tell him everything, and we can know for sure that he loves us and he is willing to listen to us and he is willing to help us to, to, to overcome all these uh, challenges in our life. Um, so one, one of the things that, that you share about what you believe is because you say there is peace when you pray. There is peace when you pray. There is peace when you come to him. And this is, is a true peace as the Lord Jesus Christ has promised to give to us. We have so many worries. We have so many challenges in this world, even, even in the society work, in the church work. But out of them all, our Lord Jesus Christ will be able to help us. One time I remember when I were TTP students, and we asked one of the senior preachers. It's just me. Okay. <laughs> it's okay, I can show my It's not long enough. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, sorry. One time I asked a senior preacher, so I asked, preacher, preacher, how long shall we pray? How long shall we pray? What do you think? How long should we pray a day? As preacher, how long do you think preacher should pray a day? <laughs> 30 minutes? One hour? Sweet hour of prayer? You know, sweet hour of prayer. I remember that hymn very well. I don't know if I share with this with you, but sweet hour of prayer. How often do you get to pray sweet hour of prayer? Not very often because because the prayer session is only one hour, right? So if you sing the sweet hour of prayer, by the time you finish singing, you have maybe, you don't have one hour to pray. But there's one time, there was one time in a particular church, and, and I see the prayer session was 70 minutes. I don't know why, I've never seen a prayer session for 70 minutes. But I thought this was a perfect opportunity for the sweet hour of prayer. So, so I asked the, the RA at that time, I was a TPP student, I said to the RA, I say, um, you know, can we, do you mind if we pray a bit longer during the prayer session? And then he said, yeah, no problem, pray as long as you like, right? It's no problem. He said, okay, you know, I got I got the okay to go with the RA. So we sing the sweet hour of prayer and I say, well, you know, today is uh, special because because it's, uh, we can pray for one whole hour. It's wonderful. We sing, and then we kneel down to pray. I, actually, I share one verse. You know how Lord Jesus Christ said to the disciple, right? Can you not pray with me for what? One hour, right? He did not say, can you not pray with me for one minute? No, he said, can you not tarry with me for one hour, right? So even Jesus asked his disciple to pray with him for one hour. So we kneel down to pray for an hour. And you can see, actually, you know, some people struggle. <laughs> but it's, it's not the one that you think. It's actually, it, I see the seniors. Wow, they pray hard one whole hour. Even true seekers, they pray hard for one whole hour. 
right? And some people, yes, they do struggle a little bit. But you can see, actually, it's the people who have a desire to draw close to God, who, or, or someone who has a need, right? I think the truth seeker, that time she was really worrying for her daughter. So she really prayed hard. Even for one whole hour, she, she, she's not used to praying, kneeling down, but she prayed with us for one whole hour. So after that, the council meeting came out, right? And then we have uh, this uh, evaluation of the spiritual convocation evangelical service. And one of the council members says, wow, that sweet hour of prayer is so nice. Let us do that, become a tradition of our church. <laughs> every, every time we have spiritual convocation, we should pray for one hour. And then there are some people say, no, 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 let's not, let's not do that again. Well, I'm not trying to say you have to pray for one hour. <laughs> Well, coming back to that question, so we asked the senior preacher, how long should we pray? How long should we pray? You know what the senior preacher said? You remember? Pray until you are filled by the Holy Spirit. I said, oh. <laughs> pray until you are filled by the Holy Spirit. And I think that is something that we, that we, we talk about quite a bit, right? Pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Actually, before you receive the Holy Spirit, I think some of us have not yet received the Holy Spirit, then we pray hard, right, to receive the Holy Spirit. But to receiving the Holy Spirit is not the end, right? I mean, for the RE students, we tell them you have to be, in fact, well, that's what Lord Jesus said, you have to be born again of water and the Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. So we so say we have to, sorry, <coughs> we have to be baptized and we have to receive the Holy Spirit, two things, born of water and born of the Spirit, right? And then you, you, it's like a checklist, check, I have been baptized. And then when you receive the Holy Spirit, check, I've received the Holy Spirit. Does that mean you're finished? No, it's the, it's a, it's a, this salvation is a work in progress, right? Yes, water baptism, wash away your sins. But Holy Spirit is a process. The renewal of Holy Spirit is how you will be saved. So it's not so much the case, ah, I've, I received the speaking in tongue, I received the Holy Spirit, my, my journey is done. No, your new journey has just begun. Now the rest of your life, you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean when you are filled by the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we think of it as a cup, right? As a cup. Sometimes we use this analogy as well. It's, it's, I think it's a good analogy. It's not wrong at all. Like it's like a cup where, you know, if you are full of many things, right? Your own desires, your own wills, then you need to do what? Then you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to kind of empty and then, and then let the Holy Spirit pour more into your cup, right? Or your, your vessel, right? And then you, you pray to God, please give me more Holy Spirit. Give me more Holy Spirit. I want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. But actually, if you take a look into the Bible, does God give more Holy Spirit to a particular individual? You say, wow, that person is full by the Holy Spirit because God gave him a more, more Holy Spirit and God gave me a little bit less Holy Spirit, so I need to pray for more Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 34. John chapter 3, verse 34. For he, who, for he whom God has sent speaks the works of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. God does not give the Spirit by measure. 
He would not say, okay, I'll give you just a little bit. Okay, you, I'll give, I like you more, I'll give you a little bit more. Actually, when God gave us the Holy Spirit, what is Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is God himself, isn't it? That come and abide in our life, right? Come and live with us. That is the evidence, evident by speaking in tongues. But the Spirit of God is living inside us, becoming a fountain of living water unto eternal life. Right, so it's not he give you a little bit or a lot. He give you the Holy Spirit, the complete Holy Spirit himself is living in you. But how come there is that difference between filled by the Holy Spirit and not filled by the Holy Spirit? Actually, that part is not so much depending on God. Yes, God, give you, God decide to give you the Holy Spirit, but you get to decide in a way how filled you are by the Holy Spirit. How filled you are by the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 and verse 13. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So who is this talking to? This is talking to brethren, right? To the people who have been baptized already. Even to the people who have received the Holy Spirit already. Now you have two ways ahead of you for you to choose. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Even if you have received the water baptism already, even if you have received the Holy Spirit already, but if you re refuse to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit and live according to your flesh desire, you know, things, lots of eyes, lots of flesh and pride of life, you will die. And this die is talking about spiritual death, right? But if you, by the Spirit, by the help of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And it's not because somebody's Holy Spirit is more so he can overcome this no it depends on you whether or not you have the heart and the commitment to follow the guidance and to rely on the renewal of the Holy Spirit right to overcome your sinful nature to really becoming a new creation in Lord Jesus Christ and this process and this process that you have to work on accompanied by the renewal of the Holy Spirit then you be filled by the Holy Spirit. Then you be filled by the Holy Spirit. I think in, uh, I really like a passage, and this is uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 47. This is the river from the, uh, from the temple of God, flowing out from the temple of God. Ezekiel chapter 37. Is it 37? No, 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 I didn't write down the wrong one. 47. I say, I, I write down the right one. I, <laughs> I say the wrong one. 47. Alright. Even from verse 1. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. So the there's water coming out 
from this temple. And if we jump a little bit towards the back, we can see how wonderful this water is. Right? In particular, in verse 9, talk about the function of this water. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the river goes, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. So this river is, carries life. Wherever the water goes, there things will live, and there will be life. In verse 12, along the banks of the river, on this side and that, will glow, grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month, because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. So this is like talking about a person. I think this can represent our life. A tree planted by the water, right? You will be, be you'll be able to bear fruits every month, every season, because you you are planted by the water, and not just any water. It's the water that flows from the sanctuary. You will continue to bear fruit, and the fruit can represent your good work, right? And your leaves is good for medicine. You are able to heal, right? Even be healed. This is the power the miraculous power of this water. And I think this water today can represent the Holy Spirit, right? As the Lord Jesus, uh, even in the Old Testament, he, God will turn the desert, the wasteland, into a fertile, a fertile land, right? By his power of the water, as you can see here. Our heart is like a desert, it's like a wasteland. There are nothing good is inside. But because the water, the Holy Spirit, created a fountain into our heart, then it continued to flow, it continued to change, and continued to shape our heart. Yes, we pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is willing to work wonders in our heart. But we have to be willing to, to submit to its guidance. And I think that is a really good description from verse 3 to verse, verse 5, right? Three to five. In these three verses, it talks about three stages of how the waters or this river, uh, or how you interact, or how you feel the water interact in your life. In verse three, when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The water came up to my ankles. That's the first level, right? The water came up to my ankle. Verse 4, again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Right? Again he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again in verse 5, he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim a river that could not be crossed, right? So there's a couple steps here. Ankles, in these three verses, ankles, knees, waist, and then it's too deep to cross. Even one must swim. Right, so if you think about you know, going, the experience of going to the river, right? Have you walk across the river? If the water is shallow and it's up to your ankle only, what happens? 
you can run around, right? You can go any whichever direction you want. You can even feel where the water is going, but it will be very easy for you to go the opposite direction. It's no problem. But as you continue, if you if you if the water if you go to a place where the water is to your knee, right? Then you feel a little bit more resistance. You feel a bit more resistance when you go the opposite direction, right? Especially when it goes to your waist. Wow, then you you really <laughs> the water is really you know trying to carry you away. You can feel the flow, the strong current that especially if the water is flowing fast, right? If you're not careful, you'll be swept away. Now, obviously, if you go to the water is too very deep, now you can only swim. Then of course you'll just be carried away by the water, right? Now. When we talk about the tide of this world, then that's a different story, then that's not good. You don't want to be carried away by the tide of this world. But this river is, a, as we have studied so far, it's a good one, right? It, it can represent the Holy Spirit. Do you, are you willing to be carried away by the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to be carried away by the Holy Spirit? Wherever the Holy Spirit carry you, the whole, whichever way the Holy Spirit leads you, are you willing to go without reservation? Oh, do you continue to resist and says, I have my own will. I, I want to do this and I want to do that. How do we get to that step? How do we keep going? Because for this passage here, it looks like it just, they just keep measured, right? Every 1,000 cubit, every 1,000 cubit, and it's getting deeper and deeper and deeper, right? That, that's, that force, that water is getting more and more powerful. How do we get there? Actually, it requires hard work. It requires hard work. It doesn't just happen overnight, all of a sudden it says, yes, I'm willing, and then all of a sudden, you know, next day you become super submissive to the Holy Spirit and followed by the Holy Spirit. It requires hard work, day after day. Yes, I'm committed to, 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 to go deeper, right? If you, if you go according to this analogy here, I want to go deeper, I want to continue to go deeper. I'm willing to submit more and more, give up more and more of my own will and be submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. More and more, I want to be willing to follow the way whichever the Holy Spirit leads me. There are particularly two ways, practically, that we can do to go deeper into the river or to go to where the river is deeper. Uh, let's take a look at Jude. Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is the two ways into how we can go deeper and deeper and by the guidance of the Holy to, to be filled by the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Holy Spirit. Two things, practical. One is to build yourself up on the most holy faith. Second is praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, right? Spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer. Really, spend time in prayer. Because when you pray in tongue in the Holy Spirit, it's not you praying there by yourself. It's not you praying there by yourself. The Holy Spirit is also praying for you. We have weaknesses. 
Sometimes we don't even know our weaknesses. Sometimes we don't know how to overcome this weakness. We don't know how to pray for our weaknesses. But the Holy Spirit is praying for you when you pray in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit pray according to God's will for you when you pray in the Holy Spirit. That is how precious our faith is. Not because we are better than other people. Then we say, oh, I can do this and I can do that. No. In fact, if we know more, we should be even more humble because we have the help of the Almighty God. The Holy Spirit is willing to help us. We have no excuse if we cannot. Because He is willing to help us. All we need to do is kneel down, really kneel down, spend much time in prayer, allow the Holy Spirit to work on us, work in our heart, to renew us. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Allow Him to pray for us. And then the, the, the first one says, build yourself up on your most holy faith. Yes, I mean, simply put, it's prayer and read Bible, right? Prayer and read Bible. We always come back to these two. Yes, read Bible. <laughs> the most holy faith is the Bible. But I, I want to maybe explain a little bit more about this most holy faith. If we come to the beginning part of Jude, right? Jude verse 3. Jude verse 3. Beloved, well, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Right? So this actually, I think it, it can apply to our basic belief today. Our basic belief today, as we have talked about earlier today, is the words of salvation. It's God's salvation. Right? It's the correct way of interpreting the Bible is the correct way of interpreting the Bible. We use the food washing as an example, right? They have a John chapter 13. Everybody's Bible have John chapter 13. But then when they read it, they do not see the sacrament of food washing. They do not see that food washing that is so crucial to salvation. Even you do not see it if you read it by yourself. Only because you, come, you are found, you are brought by God's love in true Jesus church. And what's been taught to you, aha, food washing is there, right? It's been revealed to you by the, by the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is what, uh, what we must build our faith on, is our basic belief. Really get to know your basic, our, the basic belief that we have been given, right? Know the correct way to interpret the Bible, especially the part when it pertains to our salvation, and build, be built on this foundation. Be built on this foundation. Because nowadays, we, we, we spend a lot of time listening to sermons, right? Even, even ourselves, we, 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 if we are a sermon speaker, i.e. teacher, we spend time preparing for sermons. And, and these are all classes, right? And then we talk about many practical things, how to love each other, how to be, you know, honoring parents and, and do good things. Yeah, these are all very, very much important. However, the foundation, where the foundation is, is really our basic belief. Those that pertaining to salvation. Do you believe that true Jesus church is established by the Holy Spirit? Is the church that belongs to God? Do you believe that food washing is relating to our salvation? Do you believe that when we speak in tongue, is the evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit. Do you believe, right? The way how we perform water baptism is the one 
according to the Bible. Saturday is the day that belongs to God. Do you believe true Jesus Church is the only church that belongs to God? If you do not believe these things, if you do not believe these things, if no matter how much you read the Bible, you cannot understand it well. You cannot really build a good, good faith because your foundation is, is, not, is not proper. So work on that foundation, which is build yourself up on the most holy faith, which you did not create. That faith has been passed on to you right, by the early workers. It has passed on to me as, as it has passed on to you. We all receive the same thing, and we must be built on this most holy faith. And with much praying in the Holy Spirit, then God help us. We'll continue to grow. When we are in one mind, when we are in one spirit, all oh, the church will prosper. The church will grow. But if we spend a lot of time in disagreements, you have your idea, I have my idea, different interpretation of the Bible, then we will struggle very much. So we must spend much time in prayer especially in the Holy Spirit. Let's, uh, let's kneel down and pray in one accord.